push buttons, right? So uh, I just want to start over here. Morning, church. Morning. <laughs> it's good. It's good to be not only with you, but to be able to open God's Word uh, with you. We're going to be in Proverbs chapter 22, and I'm not going to give you a district report. Uh, you're one of 135 churches in our, in our central district, but uh, we're going to be in the Word of God because that's how we build up the body of Christ. Uh, it's God's Word. So let's pray as we open God's Word together. Father, I want to thank you for the body of believers gathered here in Iowa Falls, God, I thank you for the gospel that rings true and strong in this place. Pray for their pastors and elders and leadership across this church. Everyone who has the opportunity to teach others the word of God, from adults to children. And Lord, in this day and age, more than ever, we need your guidance. We need the direction from your Holy Spirit. And we need to understand and get the gospel right. We need to have clarity in the gospel. But today, Lord, we're going to talk about our lives being a thank offering for what Christ has accomplished in us. May we give every single day, Lord, as an offering back to you. Because you have redeemed us. You have justified us. God, you are sanctifying us. Even though you have already sanctified, you are sanctifying. And one day you will fully sanctify us in our, our, uh, when we are in your presence in glory. And so, Lord, today, help us to know and understand your word and to serve out of the, not only the text that we read, but the scriptures that we have learned. May we serve you, almighty God. May we lift up Jesus and his name in this place. In Christ's name we pray, amen. I remember a story of a young contractor in Europe. He was in a, a small town. He built most of the homes in this small town. He was a really, really good contractor. Uh, a wealthy man came to him, and he wanted him to build a home, and he needed it done fairly rapidly. The, the man was going to be traveling, and he said, while I'm traveling, I'd like you to build this home. I'd like you to uh, do what you can to put the very best of everything in this home. I want you to accomplish it. By the time I get home, I'll cover everything. Everything will be paid for, but I want you to build the very best house you can build. And this young man, he, went, he set out to do that. He, after all, he built many homes in the community. His reputation was at stake. And so he began to build, and he began to put all of the resources into it he possibly could. And uh, a short time later, he thought about the man who had asked him to build. The man was very wealthy and already had a couple of homes in the community. And this man, who was building, had no home for his family. They were renting, and they really had, they had a small place to rent. And that was all they had. So he began to be jealous. And he thought, if I hold back, and I put cheap materials into the house, and I cut corners and I do it quickly, I can save money, I can save time, I can pocket that money, and then maybe someday I can build a house for my family. And he did that. The man came back and he looked at his house, and from the outside everything looked great. And the man said, it looks awesome, thank you for building this house. And he said, I, I want to give it to somebody I care about a lot. And he took out an envelope from his pocket the envelope had a key in it. He handed it to the young contractor and said, 
This house is for you. You deserve it. And I want to thank you for building it with the very best you could, you could build it with. Obviously, the man's heart sank because he realized what he had done. He had built a house that now his own family was going to move into that was inferior in every way. And I want you to think about for a moment the character of our lives is the house that we live in. And think about it from, from God's word. It's not on, uh, we're not seeing this in the outline, but Ephesians 1, 7, 8 says, we have redemption in him through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace that he richly poured out on us with all wisdom and understanding. And then Romans 12, 1 to 2, if you go ahead and put that up, therefore, brothers and sisters, in, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, for this is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is good and pleasing and perfect will of God. You see, every decision you and I make, we are building a house. God is building something in us as an act of worship to give back to him. Our very life, our character, everything we do. And Scripture reminds us that in the very mercies of God, because God has been so compassionate toward us and forgiving our sin, that we are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. I want to show you a picture of my in-laws and my wife. You might see it up on the screen. Uh, my wife has uh, back problems, and she was going to be here today. In fact, she was looking forward to it. She travels with me quite a bit. And uh, that, what she's wearing, I gave her that shirt because that's pretty much mornings in our house. I always tease her uh, that before coffee, I'm not even sure she believes in God. I'm just not positive <laughs> about that. Now, she's a, she's a wonderful follower of Christ. But her, her parents have become my parents. My, my father died when I was young. And in fact, was somewhat abusive, alcoholic. My, my, my father-in-law has become a godly man in my life who showed me how to live in Christ. He lived his life well. My mother-in-law, I bring her up because she just went into memory care. This picture is about two or three years ago. She just went into memory care. And now we're walking through the difficulty of dealing with all of the changes that are happening with, with my wife's father being at home and alone and her being in memory care. And one day she's going to show up to see her mom and her mom won't remember who she is and the pain of that. But I want you to know that she has lived her life for Christ. That this woman, her name is Linda in the middle, she lived her life for Christ and she built a life as worship to our Lord. She got breast cancer about 20 years ago. And when she had breast cancer... She realized in the middle of that, God, if you were to allow me to live beyond this, I need to help others. And so she spent the last 15 years of her life before she went into memory care and a couple of years before she had to stop. But she spent those years encouraging other women who had gone through the same kind of difficulty and pain and suffering to lead them in a group 
to, to know their Savior and to walk with their Savior. It became an evangelistic outreach to serve the Lord together. I, I say that because, and I share that picture, because I want to remind you from Proverbs 22 that you and I are, are not just living a life. That you and I are building a life, an act of worship to get back to our Lord. And that everything we do, and I'm going to challenge you in six different areas today, because I believe it's from the Word of God that you and I need to look at these areas and we need to choose one thing over another. And it's really an act of worship. It is not to gain entrance into God's heaven. It is not to make God loves you, love you more than he already does. Because every one of us, if we're not redeemed in Christ, we are still lost and dead in our sin. And if there is anyone here this morning who doesn't know Christ in a personal way, I, I ask you today, if you hear the gospel, to respond to the gospel. When you hear your pastors sharing the truth of the gospel in this place, respond, repent of your sin, come to a saving faith in Christ. But if you know Christ in a personal way, which is probably true of all of you, you have most of you in this room, you've given your life to Christ, now live your life as a thank offering. The very first thing I want to challenge you with is in verses 1 and 2 of Proverbs chapter 22. It's choose character over material gain. Choose character over material gain. Look at verse 22, or verse, verse 1. A good name is to be chosen over great wealth. Favor is better than silver and gold. Rich and poor have this in common. The Lord makes them all. You know, you get to, you get to choose what people think when they hear your name. You want to choose a good name? The Bible says a good name is worth more than all the riches of this world. And, and a good name is something more than just a resume. It's more than just, I, I built a business, or, or I've, I've really made it in life, or I'm smarter than most everybody else around me. A resume can, can build you up as a person, but your character in Christ is something that you respond back to your Lord in worship with the very life that he's given you. I've had, I've had many funerals of men and women of all ages. And I've never had anybody walk away from a fresh grave of somebody they love and say, you know what, I really loved all of their stuff. I really enjoyed all of the stuff they had on this earth. No, they walk away from that fresh grave and they talk about their character. They talk about who they were in Christ. They talk about the way that they loved and cared for people the way that they responded with their life in, in worship to our Lord. I do hear things like he was kind or she was loving or he was a friend or she was generous or he was interested in everything I did. Or you know what? She was the only trusted friend I had. I remember a young uh, man running to me at a gravesite. His grandfather had just been buried. And he, he was running to me and he said, I got to tell you about my grandfather. Just the week before he died, he gathered all of us together. He was on oxygen. He shared his testimony with us in Christ. He told us again how Jesus Christ had changed everything in his life. And he said, with tears in his eyes, big, big guy. He's about 30 at the time. Played college football, small college. Big, big hulk of a man. And with tears in his eyes, he said, I will never forget my grandfather, because he said to all of us, all of the grandchildren gathered in that room, all of the children and their spouses, 
he said to us, I want to see every single one of you in God's heaven. He said, I'm going to be there likely before all of you, but I want to greet you there. I want you to know Christ, and I want you to make him known with your life. Look at verse 7. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is a slave to the lender. For we need to honor God. Um, the rich honor God. Uh, they respect people because um, they respect people with money and resources. But the Word of God is challenging us not to be a respecter of things, and not even, not even if, um, if you're in a difficult place financially and you find yourself wanting more and you find yourself behind financially all the time and you have to borrow, there are many, many ways that we can become enslaved to the money that we, that we borrow. We don't want to become enslaved to it. And in our culture, there are some things that, that you really don't have a choice. You might be you need to borrow to buy a house and, and, and many people will borrow for other things that, that they want to purchase. But I want to just raise that challenge as we choose character over material gain and we're building a life, we need to remember that if, if we have so much debt that we're weighed down by it, um, that we need to seek help of a godly person who can come alongside us and, and help us to get on the other side of that debt that is just weighing on us. I know, that, I know many believers who, um, who, who just... Began their, they began their early lives and, and they got in debt maybe because, and I don't, I don't want to say much more about this, but I want, to, I want to just say one more thing. There may be things that have happened in your life that got you in a place where financially you just feel like you're always behind. In, in God's church, seek out someone who can help you to, to walk through getting debt-free at some point, being able to have the freedom to be able to, uh, to just invest in God's kingdom, however he calls you to invest. Don't hold things tightly. Don't clutch things. Remember, uh, choosing character over material gain. Second thing, choose wisdom over appetite. Look at verse 3 of Proverbs 22. A sensible person sees danger and takes cover, but the inexperienced keeps going and are punished. In other words, the prudent sees their surroundings. They understand the times. They make necessary adjustments. And the simple or the, the inexperienced, they have their head down, you know, staring at the phone, light pole to the head, um, missing clear warnings, unwise. And so the challenge here is for you and I to remember to choose wisdom over appetite. Look at verse, uh, verse 3. A sensible person sees danger and takes cover. The inexperienced keep going and are punished. And clearly, what, what the Scripture is trying to remind us of there is a child has appetite for things that really don't build the kind of character that bring glory to God. And, and our appetite for sin is true in every single one of us. And when you're redeemed in Christ and you're dealing with some of uh, the sinful uh, appetites that everybody struggles with. I want to remind you um, that Proverbs 22.5 says, There are thorns and snares on the way of the crooked, but the one who guards himself stays far from them. Have wisdom over appetite. As an adult, it's, um, you know when dangerous things are coming your way. You just know intuitively because you've experienced things and you, you have a little bit of a sense of 
kind of danger awaits. But a child doesn't know. And you have to give a child clear instruction. And what the Word is, is reminding us here as you build a character, as God builds your life to give back to Him in worship, that you're to remember to come alongside those who are inexperienced and young, to give them the wisdom of God's Word. I believe that um, seeing a child study God's Word, seeing VBS in this church and two or three churches coming together to teach young people the Word of God, we need to give our, our, our young people a foundation in Christ, a deep foundation in His Word. Because without knowledge of the Word of God, we're going to be um, making the same sinful mistakes over and over again. We're going to give in to appetite instead of the wisdom that God gives us. Uh, I, I love this quote. The great theologian John Wayne said, Life is tough. It's even tougher if you're stupid. That was a great quote by John Wayne. As we learn and we understand the Word of God, it needs to change our behavior in such ways that we look at the way of the crooked and we know that that's a path we're not going to take. Let me give you one example. Uh, sexual sin is so rampant in our society. If you're, to, if you're to walk through that door of sexual sin, picture that door. You make a choice and, and you're going to walk through that door. The problem with walking through that door is on the other side of that door, you don't get to determine what the price is going to be for that sin. God's given us His direction and His Word to protect us and to give us clear direction. One man, one woman in marriage is how we're to live out the gift of sexuality that God's given to us so clearly. And we walk through that door of sexual immorality and we don't get to choose, is the cost on the other side of that my reputation? Is it my marriage? Is it my losing my family? Is it having to talk to my children someday and telling them what really happened? We don't get to choose the cost of sin. And you could go across the board with, with any of the appetites that are just clearly in front of us in our culture. That God is protecting us. We're building a life that would bring glory to our God. Look at verse 14 of Proverbs 22. The mouth of the forbidden woman is a deep pit. A man cursed by the Lord will fall into it. You know, a common trap in, in the ancient world was a pit that was simply covered up so the whatever, whoever you, or whatever you wanted to catch would not know there was a pit there. And basically, what, what is talking, the, the, the woman who is forbidden is a personification in Scripture of temptation and, and, and the temptation of sin that seems attractive and welcoming. But what it draws us to is not what God intends for us. It's a temptation that leads to death and to ruin. In fact, when it comes to um, this, I can, uh, I can attest to being married to the same woman for 37 years. We just had our anniversary. I can attest to the fact that it is anything but boring. There is still so much to learn about her. I love discovering more of her dreams, her heart, her love for Christ. 
And, and I love to be with her. And not long ago, we were worshiping at one of the churches as we were traveling. And I looked to, over to my wife, and, and she was clearly, in a beautiful way, worshiping God. And, and I just simply prayed, God, can you help me to see you the way she sees you? In the beautiful way that her faith and the strength of godliness and her character in the way that she sees you. Because like maybe some of you, I grew up in a family that had a lot of division and split. My father being an alcoholic, being a bit abusive. There, was, um, there were no hugs, there were no I love yous in, in my family. And I grew up in a home where most of that was deficient. I came to a saving faith in Jesus Christ when I was 17 years of age. I was at the end of myself. I was at the end of wanting to even be alive on this earth. And Christ came into my life through his Holy Spirit by the hearing of the gospel. Transformed everything about my life. There's nothing in my life that is the same. So we need to choose we need to choose not only um, the wisdom, but we need to say no to the appetites of this world. A third point is choose humility over pride. And look at verse 4. Humility, the fear of the Lord, results in wealth and honor and life. To fear God is to respectfully recognize how great God is and act accordingly. So if, God, if He's Lord of all, in the scripture that was read by your pastor, Nick, before and during the worship, if truly there is no other, then our lives ought to reflect that. And as we give our lives back to him in worship, in the way that we live, in, in the way that we walk, we ought to reflect his glory. And we're to fear the Lord. I love that. The, the basic understanding of humility is God, I'm not you. I need you for everything. And I will live my life, laying my life down as a servant of Jesus Christ. That's really the essence of humility. It's not just thinking less of ourselves. In fact, it's amazing that God would, would redeem us and love us and transform us. But we're to live with a glimpse of the glory of God. When Isaiah caught a glimpse of God's glory, he said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And because my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of armies, he was undone. When Peter saw Jesus perform a miracle, providing an abundant catch of fish, he said, go away from me, Lord, because I am a sinful man. We need to have that awe and wonder as we approach God. God, I want my life to honor you in everything I do. I want my life to bring you glory. Because I really believe the theme song in hell will be, I did it my way. Proverbs 22.11 says, The one who loves a pure heart and gracious lips, the king is his friend. Solomon was a king and he realized the best advisors in his life were humble people who spoke truth. I hope you have people like that in your life. I hope you have people in your life 
that have, have chosen humility over pride, that speak truth, to build a friendship with them that allows them to speak into your life, to have the humility to allow other believers to call you out when they need to call you out. That kind of person is humbly serving the Lord and their heart's pure and their words are gracious. Choose humility over pride. Now I want to touch on parenting for just a couple of minutes in Proverbs chapter 22. Before we do, I want you to see this um, video from some cute little animals teaching us about parenting. So I tell you what, parents, it's difficult, isn't it? Train up a child in the way they should go. You know, Scripture is so clear about raising our kids to have a fear of God and a love, a love for Christ. Look at verse 6. Start a youth on his way, and even when he grows old, he will not depart from it. Probably one of the most quoted verses in all of the Bible. And you know, as moms and dads and grandparents, and you know how tough it is. You raise a child and I remember um, a, a theologian, a Christian pastor, uh, one point saying, you know, our kids are following Christ, but one of our kids kind of got stuck along the way. We're still praying for that child. And the pain of that, the pain of that is it just wells up inside of us. I've lived long enough now to know that moms and dads and grandpas and grandmas, when you're praying for your, your children and your grandchildren, and you don't feel like there's any movement yet, keep praying. Because I, I've had um, funerals of the grandparents. And at their funeral, or even right after, maybe months after, they've sought counsel, they've sought advice, and 
grand, grandkids have come to a saving faith in Christ after the death of one who had prayed for them for decades. Don't ever give up. Nobody is too big of a challenge for God. No one. The person you love that may be far from the Lord today, not a challenge for our holy God. Not a challenge for God. They may be so far that you think, I, I, I have no idea if they could ever even get in a place where they could hear the truth. I just want you to know that no one is a challenge too big for God. Keep praying for them. I love that uh, you raise your kids to know uh, the Lord. We have, we have four kids. They're adults now. They're married. Um, each of them on a Sunday morning Three of them have kids. One does not in their marriage yet. Um, and you know what? They, they get up. They get their family ready. They go to a Bible-teaching church. They follow Christ. They love the Lord. And I know that's not always true. And we recognize that if we think we, there's some pride in that for us, that we've missed it. That somehow the Word of God came alive in our, in our times together in the Word. But I knew that it was transforming their life when the Word of God was on their bed and it was laying upside down on their bed. That's when I knew it was hitting home. And we had a, we had a motto in our family, and it was, uh, everything is about Jesus Christ. From start to finish, everything is about Jesus Christ. And I remember them challenging, Dad, how can that be true? How can everything be about Jesus Christ? And they would challenge me with certain things. Um, and uh, we would just come right back to that. We, uh, we even walked through the Truth Project as a family, as a young family, with our kids. And, and they had their own notebooks. And I remember our daughter, who was like 10 at the time, stopping us about every five minutes and having a question. And then the older siblings like, ah, oh, it's so easy, come on. And we needed to stop, and we needed to walk with her through that. And you know what? We had times with our kids that were hard. I remember my daughter going through a very, very difficult season in her life. And I remember being in her, um, uh, just coming, coming down to her room, and she's standing there, and she is, she is at a point of hating herself and, and even, even um, harming herself. And I just gave her a big hug with tears, and I said, I love you. I know I cannot take this pain away from you, but I know that there is a God who loves you and redeemed you and bought you with a price, and you matter to him. And we fought with them in prayer. We walked with them in Christ's love. And I just urge you to keep it up. Keep it up. Don't grow weary in doing good, the Bible says. In fact, uh, the ways that uh, we can stir up anger in our children. In Ephesians 6, it says, Fathers, don't stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And, and what that means is maybe we pull away because we don't know what to do or we don't know how to connect. And when we pull away as moms or dads or even grandparents, and we pull away because we don't know what to do, that can even feel like they don't matter anymore. And I just urge you to get in there. Stumble in there. You don't know what to say. So what? You know they matter to you, and they matter more to God than they matter to you. So get in there and be a part of their lives and show them what Christ has done in your life and call them up to what God has done 
Their life matters, and uh, they're going to see in you a relentless love for Christ that will one day, I, I believe in the, in the home of, of every believer, it's going to make a difference in their lives. You know, I, I, my journey was different. I'm not going to spend a lot of time with it, but, but being, my dad being so far from Christ, um, it just caused me to wander on my own. And when young people wander on their own, they guess at life and get most of it wrong. And so you need people in your life who are bringing you back to the Word of God. So choose a legacy. Choose a legacy over temporal gain. The fifth thing I want to encourage you with is choose compassion over injustice. And I'm going to go through this one really quick. Look at verse 8. The one who sows injustice will reap disaster, and the rod of his fury will be destroyed. I mean, that's really pretty clear, isn't it? It's hard to go through a passage of Scripture without understanding the, the heart of God to, uh, to have compassion for people who are suffering, people who are going through difficulty. Choose compassion over injustice. I remember uh, uh, many, many times in my life there were people that I would encounter who are more of what it says in verse 10. Drive out a mocker and conflict goes too. Then quarreling and dishonor will cease. There will be people in your life, there's bullies in your life. And young people, you encounter bullies all the time. Maybe in your school, maybe, maybe uh, uh, people that you know in the community. But you know what? In your workplace, adults encounter bullies all the time too. Even in churches, we have bullies. And there are times that we just need to stand up and say, no more. When our boys, our boys were, um, when they were in high school, they were pretty big guys. Uh, they played sports. One was 6'4", one was 6'8". And, and uh, in the hallway, they saw a lot of bullying. And I remember saying to them, because they came home and said, you wouldn't believe what, ha- what happens at school. They were in a big public school. And, uh, and I said, well, why did God make you big? Why do you think he made you big? Not just to be good at sports. I think he made you big because he wants you to stand in the gap and say, no more, stop it, knock it off. He puts you in a position where you can stand in front of those who are being bullied and say, this is my friend. You can stand up for them. And you're going to make a lifelong friend when you do that. And they did that. They came home and they would talk about it. And there would be people who would kind of come up to them at events at the school. And I would say, how do you know them? And they would tell me the story about how God allowed them to kind of stand in the gap. We need to think about what God has gifted us with to be able to stand in a, in a gap in our world with people who are vulnerable all around us and be a picture of the gospel to them and then have an opportunity to introduce them to Christ. And finally, choose generosity over clutching. So you're building a life here. Choose generosity over clutching. Look at verse 9. A generous person will be blessed for he shares his food with the poor. This proverb is it's a Hebrew figure of speech which literally refers to someone as being good in the eye. I like that. You know when you meet people and you look them in the eye, you can tell if they're a person you can trust. You can literally tell by seeing their eyes. You can also tell when somebody maybe can't be trusted or if somebody is exhausted or has nothing left to give by looking in their eyes. I love this Hebrew figure of speech of someone who's good in the eyes, that generous person. 
Because they're looking around and they're seeing need and they're meeting that need in Christ. They're choosing generosity over clutching. Remember, you're building a life. I love this quote from C.S. Lewis. Imagine yourself as a living house. God comes to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps you understand what he is doing. He's getting the drains right. He's stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You knew that those jobs needed doing, and so you're not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not seem to make any sense. What on earth is God up to? The explanation is that he is building quite a different house from the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here and putting on an extra floor here, running up towers, making courtyards, you thought you were being made into a decent little cottage. But he's building a palace because he intends to come and live there himself. I love that. The Holy Spirit indwelling you. The very God that that we're just in awe of and wonder. I want you to see a picture of the, the Golden Gate Bridge here at the end. And I'm showing you this because the Golden Gate Bridge is totally preoccupied with its foundation. And so should every believer be totally preoccupied with Jesus Christ. Two and a half billion vehicles have crossed that bridge. Two and a half billion. There are suspension cables combined 80 miles of wire looped around the Earth's equator in a single strand. It would circle the planet three times. It weighs 887,000 tons. On the 50th anniversary, they had 300,000 people walk onto the bridge. And when those people were on the bridge, it, it went down seven feet. It has that much movement and sag. Three babies have been born on the bridge, all boys. I don't know that you cared about that, but <laughs> it's South Pier. It rests on the fault zone of the San Andreas Fault. The roadway, the railings, the crossbeams are all related to a vast cable system leading to two great towers that are deeply embedded into the rock foundation under the sea. In the case of an earthquake, it can sway 22 feet in either direction. The bridge is totally preoccupied with its foundation. And that's what makes it strong enough to endure when the world shakes. And I want you to know when your life shakes, what kind of a house have you been allowing God to build? What kind of a life have you been allowing Him to build? Because He is building a life. And you get to give that back to Him in worship. We don't, we don't walk in, in a way of, God, I, wanna, I just want to earn a little more of your love. I want to earn a little bit more of, of eternity. We don't. None of us deserve that. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But I praise God that when he redeemed me and I believed on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I confessed my sins. He forgave me. He justified me. He made me right in his eyes because he saw Christ when he looked at my sin. And I want to urge you, if you've never given your life to Christ, to make that decision today. To begin to walk and give your life. And it will take time. Over time, sanctification is a beautiful thing. You are sanctified in Christ. You're being sanctified day by day. And one day you will be sanctified and fully holy in God's presence. 
Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you that we have a life to give and to offer to you. And I pray that in this short time together, that you have heard the hearts of your people. God, use us for your glory. God, would you demonstrate through us a redeemed life? We know that we're building a life to give back to you in worship. That you are building it in us through your Holy Spirit and through the life-giving word that you've given us. God, may we live in a way that brings you the most glory. And 